0: Okay, please do um, turn to Hebrews 12 if you have a Bible, and I'll read uh, this out as well. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly, or lose heart when you are reproved by him, for the Lord punishes the one he loves. uh, Sorry, the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Further, we we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of Spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefits so that we can share in his holiness. Now discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore strengthen your tired hands and weaken knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dissipated, but healed instead. Well, we're continuing today the theme of facing hardship and difficulty, and, and the theme in this passage of, of running a race. Now, some of you may not be Christians, and, but you are wondering what, it, what the Christian life is like, what it will be like to follow Jesus. And so this is an important thing for you. Some of you are Christians. As who this letter was really written to people who were already Christians. But you may be suffering like these believers. You may be suffering many things. Maybe there are worries of different kinds. We're very aware of our brothers and sisters who are asylum seekers. And they're facing the, the huge pain of, of, of waiting and uncertainty. Maybe you have family members who are are very far away. Um, Maybe maybe you have family members who are close, but your relationships with them are not good. Maybe you are suffering more directly because of following Jesus. And um, Our passage has got three truths that I want to highlight that will help us when when life is hard. And the first is this, it's supposed to be hard. Now, you may, may not think that's, that's a huge amount of comfort, but, but it, there is comfort. The Christian life is difficult, and that is normal. And it does help us to have the right expectations. If, you, if you've got the wrong idea about what the Christian life is going to be like, you're going to be very disappointed. Let me give you um, an illustration. Maybe the children will understand this. Um, do you, children, find your, your schoolwork and your, your homework Fun and easy all of the time. No, nope, I had one. Not really. No, never. Okay. Well, well. Here's the thing. School lessons and homework are not actually supposed to be fun. I mean, they they can be fun, and it's actually helpful if your teachers can make them fun. That's great. But we don't do them because they're fun. We. Why do we have lessons and things? Any ideas? To learn, yes, I heard someone say that. Yes, we we do them in order to learn. And if you thought that all your schoolwork and homework was just going to be easy and fun all the time, you'd give up very quickly. The Christian life, it is supposed to be hard. In verse verse 4 it says, In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So, struggling against sin is a description of the whole of the Christian life. That is what it means to be a Christian. It's a fight every day against sin. And there will be many temptations to take shortcuts. With your homework and your lessons, what shortcuts might you be tempted to take? On. Photocopying. Photocopying, yes. And it, somebody else's work, yes, exactly. Shortcuts, which actually won't help you. Doing it properly is harder work, isn't it? If you are following Jesus, there will be many temptations to take shortcuts. Maybe you're struggling with money. And, and maybe there's... I mean, there's never enough money, is there? And, and you always, there's always that temptation somehow to find uh, an easy way out, a, an immoral way of making some money or cheating in some way. Maybe you're, you're struggling with loneliness. And you want some comfort. And there's a sin which offers you some comfort of some kind. Pornography or unhelpful films or books. Or a wrong relationship for you in your loneliness. Or maybe you're, you're teased or bullied at school for following Jesus. Or you're mocked in the workplace. If you, Or you would be if you clearly said that you, you follow the Lord Jesus. And so you're tempted to just keep quiet and make life a bit easier for you or maybe maybe you're struggling with something that's really trying your patience and you're tempted to be angry and it would just be so much easier to to let go and lash out at, at someone there's this constant fight that we are called to as Christians to struggle against these things and God calls us to that is always hard and sometimes is extremely hard you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood," he says. In other words, uh, um, for some people, saying no to sin, refusing to take the easy way out, meant they they were actually killed. Now, can anyone think of examples from the from the past few weeks that we've been looking at in Hebrews? How people or which people were were killed for following Jesus? But there's some from the end of chapter eleven. I'm not sure it actually went into many ex- examples, but it gave some examples of um, different ways that people may have been killed. those they're sometimes sticking in the children's memory. Chopped in half. Chopped in half. <laughs> yes, that was one of them. Yes. Go on, um, Isaac. Uh, it might have not killed them but being stoned. Yes, stoned. That often kill, usually kill people. Sorry. sorry. Crucified. There were some gone. Yes, Stephen in Acts 7, yes. And then, of course, the Lord Jesus himself uh, died as part of his struggle against sin because he, because he insisted on going uh, God's way. Now, um, well, the, what this passage is saying is, if you're still alive, you've actually had it easy. So everybody here in this room... you've had it easy so far, and I can tell because you're here, you're still breathing, you're not even in hospital, unless perhaps you're on the live stream, and um, I think Alan's actually out of hospital, one of our members was in hospital recently, you've had it easy so far, if you're still alive, we're we're called to follow in the line of people, some of whom die for um, following Jesus. Now I'm not saying that the Christian life is always miserable, it's the best life it has the best joys, and it's got the best destination, but it is hard. Verse 11 says, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. That's, that's what we're to expect. So if life is hard as a Christian, don't think, oh no, something must have gone terribly wrong. I'm, I must have fallen out of God's will, or, or something like that. It's supposed to be hard. That's normal. Second truth that helps us is this when times are hard. Hardship comes from God, from a loving Father. Now, this can help us when things are difficult. Children, do you always like the food that your parents make for you? Oh, of course, she's a great cook. Of course, a great cook. What a fantastic answer. I think I may have heard other things from Jenny on this subject, actually. But anybody else? Anyone want to claim it? Yes. A bottle full of vegetables you don't always like. Yes, I remember being the same myself. It can help us in that situation when we get something to think about who it's coming from. There's, there's things that we don't like, but we think, actually, do my parents want to poison me? Probably, probably not. We look at them and think, actually, they've probably given us this for my good. Or other things like you know, brushing your teeth. Who, likes, who always likes to brush their teeth? Okay, good. We've got some. No one put their hand up. That, that seems to tally with with honesty. Um, but we, you know, our, the, our dentists tell us to to do it. They probably know what they're talking about, and our our parents probably enforce it, and they do it because it's it's good for us. As believers, the difficult things we face in this life are from God, and that can include all kinds of things which are bad. So the people who first read this letter. They were suffering persecution for, for being believers. So th- that wasn't good. That was sinful on the part of the, what the other people were doing. But the writer says that this act, this discipline was actually coming from God. Verse 7 says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. So these hard things, including people attacking you, they're, they're, they're coming from a, a bad place. They're coming from Evil hearts—they're coming from Satan, and we we talked about, it, uh, we we sung about it in our first hymn. He's against us, but at the same time, they're coming from God. He is sending them. Now, to some people, this seems like a very hard doctrine. They would rather believe that God doesn't send these things. Uh, um, maybe at most, He allows them. He certainly, He doesn't send them. But here we see that, that from this passage that that these things are. From God God is disciplining them. And that means he's He's designing them. He's choosing what to send. And, and he's designing it for our good. And he's doing it as a father. Verse 5. Have, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? And then verse 7. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. God is doing it as a good father. But our reaction to it is really important. Children, I wonder, um, do you ever see other children getting into trouble, perhaps in school or some kind of lessons? What kind of reaction do you see when, when Hopefully, I'm sure it's never you, it's always your, your, mate, your schoolmates. What kind of reactions do you see when people get into trouble? Go on, Clem sulky face yeah what else any, any other reactions I think that's, go on just walk away like they just run away from right just walk away not, not paying attention I think I, I saw go on roll or, the sorry roll, the roll their eyes oh yes sometimes there's the more there's the more angry one and sulky one but there's that, the kind of dismissive one I remember being at school once and a kid was being told off and he just grinned at the teacher <laughs> like this and that's perhaps the worst reaction I've ever seen <laughs> to someone being told off and most infuriating most and annoying for the teacher. Thus, our passage highlights two different ways we can respond uh, um, badly to God's discipline. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. So we can make light of the Lord's discipline and just go, oh, it's nothing. Nothing Never mind. Bad things happen. Just carry on. Stiff up a lip, and without actually thinking about what's what's going on, you might think say, "Oh, nothing for me to learn here." You know, bad things happen. You know, just carry on. Sometimes, when hard things happen, it can be because God has things to teach us that we need to think about. The other bad reaction is, is the opposite, and it's it's losing heart. We think, "Oh, it's all gone terribly wrong. God must." hate me if he's, if he's bringing this into my life. He, God doesn't love me anymore. This is just punishment and God is enjoying making me miserable. Maybe it was some sin that I did, I don't even know what it was, but God, God is punishing me and that, that's losing heart. Now, discipline is not punishment in the sense of God wanting us to suffer for the sake of it. Now, sometimes God does use suffering to point out our sin. Sometimes we can be going through suffering because of our sin and God uses that suffering to prick our consciences. But it's not always that way. Even the Lord Jesus went through discipline. Um, Last week we thought about looking at Jesus as our example and he learned through suffering. Hebrews 5 verse 8. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So he was sinless, he never sinned, but he still learned through suffering. Uh, But this week we're focusing not so much on him as uh, uh, Jesus, as our example, but if Jesus is our brother, then God is our father. And the the hardship we uh, we go through comes from a father who loves us. Only he's much better than a human father. Verse 9, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? We may have had different experience from fathers. Some of us here had and and still have uh, human fathers who loved us and tried to discipline us well. Some of us have had fathers who who were not so good uh, and maybe not even... There at all, but but even when our fathers are trying to do us good, they don't get it. Always get it right. They 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 do what seems best. The the the, the good fathers, but God is the perfect father who does get it right. They discipline us for a little while as they thought best, best ten. But God disciplines us for our good, for our benefit. He knows what is best for us. He gets it right. And that brings me on to my last point. Hardship is producing something amazing. Verse 10 and 11. God disciplines us for our goods in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. If you are a believer, God is doing something in you that is astonishing. He is making you holy. He is changing your character to be like Himself. Now, Steve talked last week about uh, dieting and how unpleasant that is. So I'm going to talk about the other one: exercise. Uh, children, do you do you like who likes sports and exercise? Actually, most most hands going up there. That's pretty good. Uh, some people do love sports. Uh, and so on. I think as adults, we often manage to, to turn exercise into something that just makes you miserable, by definition. And, it, and if, it doesn't, if you don't hate it, then you're not doing it right. Um, but one of the things about exercise and, and training your body is you don't see immediate results. If, if you go and do some, some weights or some exercise in the, in the gym or, or go on a run do you immediately look at yourself and go, oh, look, look how much bigger my muscles are today. Or how much stronger I am. Um, Heidi, you may know, she does rock climbing uh, each week. And, um, and each week she, she comes home and complains all of the next day about how her muscles are aching. And that she's actually weaker the next day than, than she was the, the previous day after doing her exercise. But... She's not complaining as much now as she was six months ago. Over time, slowly over time, she's, she's getting stronger and better, able to do... And she comes back and she tells me how she's got higher up the wall or, or she's done normally uh, more difficult climbs up the, up the wall, able to do more each time. But the next day, it doesn't seem like that. It feels like you might even be going backwards. God works... Um, in our lives, in the same way he's training us and he's using hardship to do it. And the results are not immediate. Sometimes it might feel like you're going backwards. But God is doing something amazing and it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. God will slowly make us into people who love what is right, who do what is right, uh, and who are at peace with other people and with God. He will make us like himself. He will make us like the Lord Jesus. We will share in his holiness. And one day God will finish his work in you. When you get to glory. And there will be no more sin left. There will be no selfishness. Or unkindness. Or bitterness. There will be no cowardice or laziness. You will be just the person that God created you you to be. You will be glorious like Jesus Christ himself. That is what God is doing in you. I think when we think about heaven or glory, the the resurrection, there's many things that we can look forward to. There's many things that anyone would enjoy. It says no more suffering, no more tears. Anyone anyone would look forward to that. But there there are um, at the centre of our hope there are two or perhaps three things that only Christians are really interested in. The first, I think, and most wonderful thing about glory that we looked at, especially last week, is that Jesus will be there. He he is our reward. That was the focus last week. We will have Jesus forever. The second is this. We will be like Jesus. Isn't that going to be amazing? God has already started that work in you. He's doing it through hardship. He's making you like Jesus. There's a third thing, I think, about the age to come, which only Christians are really looking forward to, and it's at the heart of our great rewards. Jesus will be there, that's the first thing. We will have him forever. We will be like him forever. And the third thing is this, we will have each other forever. God's people will be there. And that brings me on to the, the application in verse 12 and 13. You see, it's not... Our hope is not that each of us will just be in glory, but um, he will be our God and we will be his people. Not all of us just connected to him, but all of us connected to each other. And that starts now. Verse 12 and 13. Therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Now this isn't saying, just pull yourself together, strengthen your weak knees. It's, if you look at it carefully, it's not saying that. It's saying there are some people who are lame. That means, who knows what lame means? Do the children know? Go on, Clam. Someone, Someone who can't walk. Or maybe can't walk properly. So there's people who, who can't walk, they're struggling to walk. Maybe they're, they're sad and discouraged, tempted to give up as a Christian. Maybe all of us are, are lame in some way or another, although it might not be very visible. And what are we to do? We're to strengthen those people. Strengthen the, the weak knees, the people who are lame. We're to help each other. That's what it's saying. We're to strengthen the ones who are struggling. And I think it's saying, we need to do it sooner rather than later. Imagine someone's running a race now. Children, imagine, and they, they carry on the race, uh, and I'm sorry, they, they hurt their leg in a race, but they carry on. they Really injured the leg. What's going to happen if they just carry on that race with an injured leg? Go on. It's going to hurt. Yep, it's going to hurt. But what what might happen beyond just pain? Go on. Um, could they could let the leg might break. Then what would happen? Or even if without their leg breaking, what might happen if they have got a badly injured leg? Go on, Clem. Already. Oh, Sorry. They might. They might still win. They if they they're, yeah, they're very good. Go on. They could sprain it they could they could have another injury they, they could make that injury worse couldn't they they could they could fall over if they've got a really once they' have sprained their, their leg they could start, they could fall over and then what are they going to do they'll smack their head. And now, and now they've got another injury they start over with a bad leg then they sprain an ankle then they've got a bashed up head you see, it's, it's just getting worse and worse and and what needs to happen instead of that someone. Someone needs to help them at the beginning so that, they, so that what is lame doesn't become disabled. And, and that is what we need to be as Christians. We need to be helping each other and helping each other sooner rather than later because we're in this race together. This is not about how well we can individually do. It's about getting over the, the finish line together. That is part of the race. Who knows the animation Cars? Anyone? Who's the, who's the main character in Cars? Lightning and Queen. In the final race, is that, there's, there's three of them racing. And who, can anyone remember who he's racing against? Know, there's, there's Lightning and the Queen versus two others. Who are they? Chick Hicks. Chick Hicks. And, I can't the other one. and anyone remember the other one? The King is his name. Okay. And at the end of the race, Lightning McQueen is about to win. What happens? Who's, who's watched it? Go on. Okay, so Chick Hicks deliberately crashes into uh, um, the king. It's one of the king's last races. It's going to be his last tournament. Chick Hicks, Barry it deliberately clips the back of of the king and sends him crush it and... St- Lightning McQueen, all the way through, has been focused on winning this race. Then he realises it's not the most important. I'm going to watch it. Um, 90-second clip. I hope the adults can um, bear with (laughs) this. Yeah. You know, man, this uh, old race car all once told me something. It's just an empty car. Daryl, is pushing on the last lap legal? Hey, man, he's not really pushing it. He just giving him a little pump draft. <laughs> What did Lightning McQueen realize at the end? It wasn't about winning. It wasn't about winning. That's exactly right. He realized it was about getting his friends across the finish line, and that is the Christian life. We are in this together. That is that is the big point. Now, if you'll forgive another illustration, but this is important. This is a real story. This time, the in 1992 in the the British Olympics. Um, sorry, the Olympics the, a British sprinter called Derek Redmond was in the 400 meters he was hoping for a medal after years of training but after a few hundred meters he tore his hamstring and he, he collapsed in in huge pain and, and huge disappointment but then he got up and he started trying to run and he wasn't doing much more than than hopping as the the rest everybody else was Miles ahead, pretty much finished, but he 's there in agony, and he 's trying at least to finish his race and Then his father, Jim Redmonds, seeing his son in agony but still trying to run, rushed out of the crowd and onto the track and Some officials tried to stop him, but they didn 't get very far he didn 't get between him and his son and he, he ran up and he put his arm around his son, and they, they crossed crossed the finish line together. Now, if you've never seen seen this, you really should watch the footage. I won't bore you with another clip. But it's great. He he finished the line. uh, He got his son over the line. Now, our father has more compassion on us than, than any human father. And he will enable us to finish the race, even though it's hard. He's given us his spirit, and he gives us his son... But he also gives us each other. We are the means by which we're going to finish this race. That means we can't be fighting against each other. It's the first thing that Satan will try and do. To tear us apart. To stop us finishing our race. Satan will try and tear us apart. We must not be tricked by him. We must not be fighting each other. We can't just tolerate each other though. We can't just say, well, I'm not fighting, but, but I will just tolerate each other. You can live your Christian life, and I'll live my Christian life, and that will be okay. No, that's not good enough. We need to be helping each other actively, and we need to be doing it sooner rather than later. It's no good waiting until someone has fallen into awful sin multiple times, or almost disappeared from church life, and then we go, ooh, maybe, maybe they need some help. We need to do it sooner rather than later. That also means being open and being humble enough to admit we we need help. Some of you may know Heidi and I found it very hard coming back to the UK in 2021 in in different ways, getting over the disappointment of things not working out for us in Turkey. In the past few months, we've been having some counselling to help us with that. And that's why we've not been a community group very much. You, You may have noticed those in our group. Uh, There wasn't another night when we could do it um, with this counsellor. That's been a big help to us. I share this to say we need help from other people. Sometimes we need help from other people. Now, it might not be a professional Christian counsellor. It might be each other. But we we need help. We need to be honest enough to say we need help. and, And it's best to get it sooner rather than later. We have to be open enough with each other to say, we need help, and to watch out for each other to say, we need help. And that is the way that God is going to keep us going. And that is the way that we are going to be able to finish, finish this race well, finish it together.